And I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drum? Welcome to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony. And I'm Maggie. And we're here to take an intersectional, feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read but you can't forget? We've got that too. Comic books? Nonfiction? It's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious about your favorite new reads. Hello, welcome back to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Maggie. I'm Harmony. And this week we are doing the Women's History Month book tag, which was initially created by Weird Zeal. Wonderful. <laughs> the person who created, who owns this blog's name's Margaret, and my name's Margaret. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Wonderful! All right, should we get started, Miss Maggie? Yeah, all right. First question is about Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks was a civil rights leader. And the question for this is a book about a female character who doesn't do as she's told. Ooh, okay. So we're just we're just choosing our favorite books here. Do we have a time frame? What do you mean a time frame? <laughs> okay, okay. A book about a female character who doesn't do as she's told. The the inheritance of Mama or or of Arcadia something or other. No? <laughs> Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You, I, I lost you for a second there, but I'm back. I think that book's called The the Inheritance of Orchidia Divina. Yes, that is it. Yes, and it's by Zoradia Cordova. Very nice. Very nice. I'm going to pick Redemptor by Jordan Afueco. Ooh, very nice. That's a good choice. What's it about? It's about, it's a, it's a YA fantasy duology. It's about a world where... The emperor becomes immortal because 11 people who truly love him pledge their loyalty to him and they become mind connected. And through this way, they each protect him from one way to die. And then it's about what happens when a girl discovers that she has the same ability to be to be emperor in this way that she can mind connect with them. And the power struggle that happens from there. It's not a power struggle between the emperor and the empress it's a power struggle between them and the council that really has most of the power in ruling the country so it's really interesting and super well done and well plotted and has really great characters that sounds amazing all right so for context i don't know maggie kind of she read this out but each of the people in this book tag lists a different woman and it gives a little bit of a biography about each woman. Did we read Rosa Parks' biography? I give the, uh, the short version, yeah. Okay. And then it gives you the tag. So the next one is Ada Lovelace. She was the daughter of famed poet Lord Byron. Ooh, he's spicy. And the Countess of Lovelace. Weren't they, were they, were they together? Were, or were they related? Oh, I have no idea. L Lord Byron was with most of the aristocrats in the 19th century okay well wonderful and she was really gifted at mathematics and she's been called the first computer programmer that's cool because she died in 1852 so in honor of her maggie what's a book with an intelligent female character i'm gonna go with i think 
Education by Tara Westover, which isn't necessarily a book that's about intelligence, I think, in the traditional way that we think it, but it's about the importance of education and advocating for your own education and how knowledge can influence and change one's life. So that's what I'm going to go with here. That's a good one. Inspired by Maggie's answer. Now I have two. One is inspired by Maggie's answer. So if we're going to look at education and like how we learn, then I am definitely going to go with Teaching to Transgress by Bell Hooks, because I think that that explores what we can do in terms of learning and how we can best learn. But if I'm thinking on a personal level, I think one of the books that inspired me to go to grad school and also to get my PhD was The Daughters of Deliverance Danes. And that stars a woman who is getting her PhD and it's fun and magical. And it is a very specific type of intelligence, but I think because I was introduced to it in a kind of fun and fluffy manner, it made it a lot more accessible for me, this idea of higher education. Oh, nice. That's a great answer. All right. So the next question is based around Queen Elizabeth I, who is the Queen of England between 1588. She was also known as the Virgin Queen because she never married and is the cause of a lot of problems today, many, many, many years later. The prompt for this one, though, is a book about a woman who's in a position of power. Do you have a recommendation for this, Harmony? Oh, boy. How to find a princess or something. Maggie, you go first and I'll look up the real name. I'm going to go with the Devabad trilogy by S.A. Chakraborty here, which I think is probably my favorite trilogy of all time. My love for those books is so intense. And the books are about Nari, who accidentally unleashes a djinn warrior and then finds out that she's sort of a long lost princess. And I think that... The interesting thing about this book is that the politics are really well done. And I think that it really showcases the way in which people who are often thought of as being in positions of power and having the agency to make whatever changes they want are often pawns in larger systems and that the power to make change often doesn't actually rest with one solo individual, no matter what their title is. So a lot of Nari's power throughout the series comes from her ability and her learning of how to play the political game and where to push back and how to use her status as a figurehead wisely to make meaningful change in her kingdom. Wow, that's a really good answer. I did not choose nearly as developed of a book, but for me, because this is a book I read recently, it was How to Find a Princess from the Runaway Royals series by Alyssa Cole. For me, this was kind of an important read because the two main characters are both, in a way, sort of charged with power. One is a knight trying to find a long-lost princess, and the other is a supposed long-lost princess. And... For me, it's this is important because these two people, though they're charged with this power, they're not really enabled, they're not really capable of acting on it because we live in the modern world and there is capitalism and people are in debt and one of the main characters is neurodivergent, so that really prevents her ability to earn wages and stuff. But they are both these powerful things or they think there's this potential for power. And the series, I think, even though it's a fun and fluffy romance primarily, kind of deals with that, this potential for power versus 
this mundane need to live and, and this feeling of inadequacy that we all have. Like we're not capable of stepping into our full roles and power, I think under capitalism, or at least that's how I feel under capitalism. So yeah, that's my, that's my powerful female book. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. All right. Is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Virginia Woolf is our next woman in history. She was born into a privileged English household in 1882. Author Virginia Woolf was raised by free-thinking parents. Ooh, cool, like me, she's a hippie. She began writing as a young girl and published her first novel, The Voyage Out, in 1915. She wrote modernist classics, including Mrs. Dalloway, To the Lighthouse, and Orlando, as well as pioneering feminist works, A Room of One's Own, and Three Guinness. So Maggie, with all of that now as context, can you give me a book with beautiful writing? Yeah, I'm going to go with Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Lin Tan for this one. This book totally floored me. Just absolutely gorgeous writing, really interesting story, really interesting premise. 10 out of 10 would highly recommend, which is interesting because I feel like I don't I don't drive with Virginia Woolf that much. That's my, that's one of my red flags as a human. I was really surprised that she was paired up with this prompt. Really? Because that's just so not how I feel about her writing. Wow. Okay. I haven't actually read anything fully by Virginia Woolf, but maybe that's why. Okay. I guess I'm trying to think on a big, broad scale of everything that I've read. And there's a lot of really pretty writing in there. But I think I'm going to go with a surprising take and and say Henry James, because even though Henry James is a super old guy and he writes super old, there's just something really pretty about his writing. Oh, wait, we're doing woman, though. Yeah. Well, to me, he's a feminist, so. (laughs) All right, let me think. Now I have to really, oh, woman. Okay. There's just too many to choose from. I'm going to go with The Once and Future Witches. Yes. I don't remember the author's name. Alex E. Harrow. All right, so our next question, our next historic figure is Joan of Arc, a national heroine of France. At the age of 18, Joan of Arc led the French army to victory over the English at Orleans. Captured a year later, Joan was burned at the stake as a heretic by the English and their French collaborators. And then she was canonized as a Roman Catholic saint more than 500 years later on May 16th, 1920. You know, I don't actually, I don't think that I knew that she became a saint so recently in comparison to the when she lived i didn't realize that didn't happen until the 20th century i know very little about catholicism though which if you've been listening you know the prompt for this one is a book about a female warrior i'm gonna go with the passion of mary magdalene even though it's not my most traditional choice there are a lot of female warrior books out there but i'm choosing this one because she's also a warrior of love you're not wrong fair enough I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the Girls of Paper and Fire series by Natasha Nian, which is another trilogy. It's also queer, which I'm into, that follows one of the, one of the main characters is a female warrior who's essentially been sent to assassinate the Demon King. I'm going to leave it there though, because I don't want to get too spoilery, but. Very fun. Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn to read. All right, here we go. Mae Jeminson. Mae Jeminson is an American astronaut and physician who, on June 4th, 1987, became the first African-American woman to be admitted into NASA's astronaut training program. On September 12th, 1992, Jeminson flew into space with six other astronauts aboard the Endeavor on mission STS-47, becoming the first African-American woman in space. All right, with all of that being said... Oh, this is going to be hard for me. 
Maggie, can you give us a book set in space? This was also a hard one for me because I'm really not a sci-fi reader, but I think that the perfect recommendation here is going to be Binti by Nettie Akorafor, <laughs> which was apparently also going to be Harmony's recommendation. But this is like the perfect mix between space opera and other otherworldly space stuff with also a really feminist setting following a Black main character. So I feel like this is just perfect for this prompt. I don't know what else is set in space. Have I ever read anything else set in space? These are the questions. I mean, Dawn doesn't count because it's one part of a three set, a three series. I, I think Dawn counts. Whole first book is like set in space. Okay, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to do Dawn by Octavia Butler, which is a part of the Exno Genesis series and a part of Lilith's Brood. Wow, and it's great. The first part is set in space, but just hovering above Earth. <laughs> and that's the only other space book I've read besides Verbinti. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so our next historic figure is Rosalind Franklin, who earned a PhD in physical chemistry from Cambridge University. She learned crystallography and X-ray diffraction techniques that she applied to DNA fibers. And one of her photographs provided the key insights into DNA structure. And then Rosalind Franklin is probably at this point most famous for the fact that that research was stolen from her and other DNA scientists took her work to, to as their own when they published their research about DNA. So fuck that. But the prompt for this one is an underappreciated book. So Harmony, what do you think is an underappreciated book? Oh my goodness. Well, I feel like I've already given it a shout out, which is unfair, but my most underappreciated book has to be The Passion of Mary Magdalene because I don't understand why it wasn't discovered. And I, I guess I can't, I'll, Maggie, well, Maggie gives her answer. I'll think and see if I can find one that I haven't sh shouted out yet. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go with, I think, No Light to Land On by Yara Jeeb. But No Light to Land On came out earlier this year, and it's this really tense and beautiful and sad and hopeful literary fiction novel about a couple who is separated in 2017 when the Muslim ban went into effect in the United States. It follows what happens to to them in that really tense moment. And I just feel like I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but it's so beautifully written and so impactful and I don't know. It really did a lot for me, and I haven't heard anybody else speak about it. I can't think of anything else. I'm sorry, world. Fair enough. Our next woman that we're celebrating right now is Marsha P. Johnson. She was a transgender LGBTQ rights activist and an outspoken advocate for trans people of color. She spearheaded the Stonewall Uprising in 1969, along with Sylvia Riveria. And she later established the Street Transgender Action Revolutionaries, STAR for short, a group committed to helping homeless transgender youth in New York City. Wow, she's awesome. All right, so that being said, we are looking for a book about LGBTQ plus characters. I'm going to go with Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, which I think is the best book I've read this year, so far at the very least. Super good. And this book follows two characters, two trans characters, who were in a relationship with each other. One of them wants to be a mom. Reese wants to be a mom really, really badly. 
Their relationship falls apart when Amy decides to detransition and become Ames. And it kind of follows the aftermath of that decision and what happens when the relationship falls apart when Ames's new partner, Katrina, gets pregnant and they think that they all might parent in a triad. It's like really funny and really dark and just one of one of I mean it's just a fantastic book I think everybody should read it wow okay I guess I'm going to I feel like for this one I'm going to go with the favorite LGBTQ book that I've read thus far and I think my work by queer woman in particular really needs I, I I haven't read a lot I think that this is still new for me so that being said I'm going to go ahead with honey girl by Morgan Rogers. Oh, nice. Alrighty, so our next historic figure is Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart is fondly known as Lady Lindy, and she was an, an American aviator who mysteriously disappeared in 1937 while she was trying to circumnavigate the globe from the equator. She had several notable flights, including becoming the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean in 1928, as well as the first person to fly over both the Atlantic and the Pacific. And her prompt is an award-winning book that deserves the hype. Oh, an award-winning book that deserves the hype. I'm going to go with Star Daughter. Maggie did not like that, but it won a Newbery Award. This is, okay, so Star Daughter is a YA book about a girl who is part star. There are, it surrounds like Indian American characters. And I think that it uses some Indian mythology, maybe, in order to build its fantasy world. But it's pretty cool, and I love it. And I think I liked the main message of it. So it got a Newbery Award, I believe, for this, for just existing. And it's a great YA pick that I think can help children through these turbulent times of what it means to be human. (laughs) What about you, Maggie? I'm going to go with Jade City by Fonda Lee, which I believe won the Hugo Award. And it's just a really interesting, tightly woven, intricately plotted fantasy novel that is heavily inspired by, I would say, Eastern Asian culture at large and is about a country called Kekon who some citizens can use jade the is it a gem a mineral but like jade the stone to have enhanced almost magical powers and what happens when a gang from an outside country figures out a way to make a synthetic version of jade that everybody can use and the tension kind of explodes from there i'm not typically an urban fantasy person i don't know why it's just not something i jive with but this one is really really well done and i really get why i got the award all right i guess it is my turn who is our next woman i think this might be our last it is right because we just did amelia Earhart, and now it is your choice so maggie You have to choose a historical woman who you are inspired by or interested in. As long as she hasn't already been listed, go for whoever you want and then choose a book that inspires you. Oh, this is hard. Yeah, this is really hard. A book that inspires. Because for me now, when I'm thinking about a book that inspires me specifically, there's just so many. There's so many. But what comes to mind first would be The Once and Future Witches because it leads to... 
it leads to some sort of revolutionary change, right? That inspires a lot of people. It's not just our main characters. And I can't think of anything I've read recently that has that, but I'm not sure who I would match up in terms of people I'm inspired by throughout history. Hmm. Are you still thinking? I think I might choose All's Well by Mona Awad, which I think is kind of a weird choice in terms of a book that inspires you because this is a very, very strange horror novel. But I think that the reason it inspires me is because it's the main character is dealing with chronic pain the entire time and the lack of belief and understanding that comes from chronic pain and how she navigates her life around her disability and really how other people don't navigate their lives around what she's experiencing in a way that's really harmful and terrible. And I think that it's a book that inspires me because I suffer with chronic pain. <laughs> and and I felt like a lot of kinship with the main character in the book, even as some of the horror novel stuff was going on and the struggle of wanting to be a really, really ambitious person and having all of these big dreams in the arts and then feeling like your body is sort of really against you. And I think that even if the character, like even if the end of the book, because it's a it's a scary book, wasn't necessarily like the call to action for me, it was just so reaffirming to see somebody who had similar experiences to my experiences still getting up to go and do the thing every single day and like fight to be heard and fight to be understood that it worked out well for me, you know, like it, like the, it, it jived for me in a way that I think pushed me forward productively. That was absolutely fucking nonsensical. Who is your historical figure? That was not nonsensical. That made sense. Uh, who is my historic figure? Do you need some thinking time? I just don't know that I know very many other historic figures, which you're saying to yourself, Maggie, you're a historian. And this is true. But a lot of, because I deal in local history, a lot of the history I know would reveal, historic figures that are coming to mind would reveal too much about like where I work, if that makes sense. So I'm struggling to think of a different, a different option. Fuck it. I'm going to say Harmony is a historic figure and this one's for you, boo. What? (laughs) Harmony's my historic figure. I'm taking absolutely no pushback against this choice. That makes no sense, Maggie. You chose a book about chronic pain, but I guess it does inspire you. But it's supposed to be a historic figure who inspired or interested you. And I'm also not a historic figure. I mean, I'm interested in you. (laughs) I I could write a whole biography about Harmony Birch at this point. Very academic. This is true, actually. (laughs) I I feel like that. I don't know if I could write an academic biography on a lot of my friends I could write something about Maggie I don't think it could be an academic biography but I do feel like you could write something about all of your friends (laughs) yeah well yeah that's true (laughs) okay so I found my historic figure it's going to be Angela Davis all right and hear me out for the witches of New York for me it's inspiring because of the solidarity piece which we've talked a little bit about on air But also, each of these three women are reaching some sort of self-actualization, and they're trying to navigate how to do that within a community. And (laughs) if you've been listening, you've probably understood that I have a lot of struggles with community. I was raised very isolated, and 
I have a lot of trauma that isolates me and it makes it really hard. And I, I don't have a lot of like stable, secure people throughout my life. So it makes it really hard to be in community with people. But I desperately want that because I know that that's what's good for us, right? When you can't do the thing or you don't feel like you can do it alone, it's good to have people there with you to help you like carry you through all of the hard things. And I definitely have that with the people in my life. Maggie is one of the people who's a part of many of my like community life stages towards actualization. And I'm, I hope that I'm a part of hers, right? Like that's a part of community. So I think accepting that and trying to strengthen my community and build on it, though it's very personally difficult for me sometimes because I my first instinct is not to fall into the arms of other people or trust or rely on other people too much. I think that is like that book showcased for me how I need to strengthen that more and why it's important and why that can lead to some sort of actual substantial change, even if my self-actualization seems selfish at first, right? And the fact that we kind of have to be doing both, that self-actualization for me means that I have to be contributing in some aspect to some sort of social change to, to better the world for my community. Yeah. Good job. That makes sense. That's it. That's the end of the episode. (laughs) Next week, we are reading Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, which I think is actually going to be a really interesting time because Harmony loves this book and I am neutral to positive about this book. (laughs) I need to reread it. So we will talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher app. You can support this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash RGBC and clicking the support this podcast button. Our episode schedule can be found in our show notes or by going to our website rebelgirlsbook.club and clicking read along with the show. You can follow us at rgbcpod on Instagram, at Rebel Girls Book Club on Facebook, at Rebel Girls Book One on Twitter, and you can email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Our theme song is called Pretty Boys Make Me Feel Ugly, and it's by The Gays. See you soon, and remember to read rebelliously. Rebel Girls Book Club is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.